I put all the jazz stuff on the piano for you. I'm just kidding, it's always there. But... You know me so well. Right. Like Lee, <laughs> Lee Konitz back there or something, I don't know. Anyway. Awesome. Here we go. Welcome to our fourth ever episode of Composers in Quarantine. Um, this week we're featuring the wonderful Sarah McDonald, a New York City-based composer, arranger, orchestrator, singer, songwriter. She's the leader of the New York City Chill Harmonic, which is a big band style ensemble that features full big band, string quartet, and of course, Sarah, you, you sing on top of that. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. And as always, our first question for you tonight is, what are you drinking? I'm drinking really shitty red wine. Oh my gosh. Well, That's I'm drinking so a really shitty beer. So cheers to oh, that. Oh wow, it's light. Yeah, cheers to quarantine good. life, light life. Exactly, it's a light beer. Amazing. Yeah, just I'm just ordering the cheapest wine I can find. So it is what it is. It's an essential uh, service. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sarah, as I said, thanks so much for being here. I just, um, you know, it's awesome to be able to talk to some composers that I really admire and kind of get like a, a behind the scenes look um, <clears throat> at, you know, your influences, like how you started writing, what you're up to with your band now. And, um, you know, your band, the New York City Chill Harmonic, I think is one of the most unique, um, you know, I don't even, I'm, ner I'm nervous even to call it a big band. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very big band. It's a large ensemble. Like. It has mm. it has many uh, humans playing many instruments. Yeah. <laughs> so by you know, in a certain way it's 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 big. But it's not like when you when you think of big band, you know, it's not mm -hmm. it's not like a it's not like a big band big band sound. Um, like Sammy Nestico, for instance. Yeah, it's, maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's not like that that classy no swing classic yeah. like two and four or whatever. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, one of the first recordings that I ever heard of yours was was or is Aubergine. Um, Aubergine, yeah. Aubergine. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I just learned that I've been pronouncing that wrong to people <laughs> for however many years. That's fine. Um, yeah. So maybe let's start about talking about that and your first album with the New York City Chill Harmonic, and yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, you can just call it the New York Chill if you want. Mm. That's easier. I feel like. Um, Quarantine so in New York Chill. Quarantine in New York Chill, exactly. Uh, that was, I feel like everything about this band like kind of started off as a joke, like a joke for me to see how many people I could write for, like a joke to like, the name was kind of a joke, like all this stuff. And now it's, and now I take it so seriously. It's like, you know, my main, my main project. Um, but right, Overseen you tour was, with the band like many, uh, yeah. many months of the year. Yeah, I wish I should have been on a six week tour right now, actually. Oh so, so that's really disappointing. Um, but. I, you know, it will be rescheduled eventually, so that's okay. Um, yeah, so let's see, Aubergine. That was the first big band song I'd ever written. Um, also just kind of like I was, it's just Latin for eggplant. And I was looking at a can of pasta sauce when I wrote the song and I was like, I was in Germany, so everything was whatever in a different language. And I was like, Aubergine, what a beautiful word. And then that was it. So it like, and that now it's so like- so funny. <laughs> it's just like, there isn't, there are so many times when I feel like things like I had no meaning, but like then it becomes meaningful later because of just the process, you know, to getting to where it is now. Um, but yeah, that was that was it. What else was I, what was I going to say about that? Um, yeah. And then I wrote that song and it was like silly. I had just bought this like silly synthesizer from this techno DJ in Munich. 
And so I wrote that like opening line and um, I had written a lot of music for like rock bands and stuff before and I was kind of transitioning out of that and I just wanted to see what I could do. And I remember when I opened Finale and it was like 22 parts, I was like, I'm never gonna have enough ideas to like finish this score. And then I somehow magically got through it and that was that first song. And then I wrote some more songs and then I thought I would just do like a one-off concert, one-off album, whatever. And then it just kept going. So that, that is awesome. It. So it's your, I can't believe that, that that is your first ever um, big band composition <laughs> or, or New York chill composition. New York chill. Yeah, I had some other like big band things in college, like with no strings and stuff like that, that weren't very good. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever. Hey, all of our first experiments are, are, are you know, experiments. It's oh, yeah. testing the water, seeing seeing what comes out. So when was that? When did you write that that aubergine? Mm, it was in like February of 2014. So so long ago. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And also one thing that I, I feel like I, I kind of learned about you after like long after meeting you is that your first instrument is the French horn. Yeah, more or less. I think my first my first technical instrument is piano. Mm. And then but like I and I played piano seriously, you know, my parents like put me in piano competitions where you just like memorize things, you don't actually know what you're doing. Um, and then I started playing French horn and took that very seriously all through high school and then into college, but but like was just playing on the side in college because I went to school for jazz, obviously. For? <laughs> jazz, yeah. Right, and where did you go to college? I went to the new school for jazz and contemporary music. Right, so very jazzy, very contemporary. Um, <laughs> so how do those two, um, you know, those two instruments kind of blend together? Are, are the, is the fact that you, I mean, do you think that the fact that you started on piano, then shortly thereafter moved to French horn, but then your first tool for writing for the New York chill was the synthesizer. Do you, do you think that that's a really big part of the sound of your band? Do you, do you think about that at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think now, now it's evolved to the point where like, I don't really write on anything. If I write on piano, then it's like a piano song and it's really obvious that the, the chart is piano driven, but there are so many charts now where it's just like, I'm just thinking of it and like recording it into my voice memos and then writing. That's not what you asked, but anyway. No, um, it's very interesting though. I'm always curious to hear about people's, um, writing processes. Um, yeah. And it's so interesting. Um, so, so yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. You start some, I mean, I'm assuming that it's different. Uh, every time, every, yeah. Every time. Um, as I'm sure it is for you as well. Right, mm -hmm. there's, sometimes there's just no method. Like people always ask like, what is the first step? If I wanted to write this kind of a chart, like what is the first step? How do I do this? So it's, yeah, yeah. go ahead. There's, oh, there's just, there's no first step. Like. It's like one of my least favorite questions, I feel like. You know, it's like just asking about my writing process is totally cool because that changes all the time. But I think if I were to like explain it to someone, like explain to someone how to start writing for a big band, I wouldn't know how, because especially if everybody's, if you play a different instrument already, then you're probably gravitating towards that when you're thinking of lines and harmonies and stuff like that. So for me, it's just, I don't know, like the the song that I sent you, I literally was just sitting on my couch. I wrote that in a night. That usually does not happen. I have like two songs like that maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just desperate to write something because we had a show coming up and I hadn't written anything in a while. And it was just, I was like, whatever the first idea is, you have to write that. And so I just, 
it was just me like throwing up stuff into finale. Like I didn't use an instrument to get through it. It's like four chords, whatever, but it's, you know, just really crazy um, in my professional opinion. Um, so, so there's that, there's a lot of just recording stuff into voice memos. Like if I think I have a good idea, like a hook or whatever it is, it's usually not so much like chord progressions anymore. It's like harder to get lines out of that, I feel like. Like I usually just write line by line. Um, and then I'll, you know, if I am remembering something later, I'll come back to it. Or I'll try to like play chicken with myself and I'll be like, this feels like a good idea. If I remember it in 30 minutes, then I'll follow up on it. And if I don't remember it, then like too bad, you know? <laughs> That's the so. most Sarah McDonald thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just, it's really just me being lazy. Like I'll be in bed or something. And I'm just like, okay, if I can remember this, like, and get up and go get my phone in 30 minutes, then like it was worth it. That is too um, funny. Yeah, so I probably have lost some good things, you know, from that, but maybe not. So who cares? <laughs> right. Or at least uh, by that theory, then whatever you do remember is worth mm -hmm. remembering. Yeah, for sure, I well, guess. So Hopefully. so we'll, we'll come back to, to talking about the score that you sent um, a little mm -hmm. bit later, but uh, yeah, it's sure. called Mean, and that's from yeah. your new album. Is that correct? Yeah, so... It's unreleased right now. Right, we really don't have anything. We did like one um, session like two years ago, believe it or not, and then I immediately broke my foot and we just like stopped everything. <laughs> so yeah, that sucked. Um, 10 out of 10, can't recommend. Um, right. Yeah, so there was that and then uh, just a lot of crazy things happened. So now this is actually technically a live recording, like everyone recorded their parts at home, but we're really producing it spending a lot of time on it um, and trying to turn it into a single. And then if we go back and, and once we like record the full album, then perhaps we will re-record it. I haven't decided yet. Um, yes, so there is that and there is that. I guess we just have to record the album, that's it. <laughs> we have to record more. Yeah, so, so when you sat down on your couch and you said to yourself, okay, I have a show tomorrow, I need to write something new. What was, for this song, what was the first line the first melody that came to mind oh my god it's that opening <laughs> line it's like i can't even say it it's like a, it's like kind of balkan but like also rock at the same time like the, the track is super rock it's like the most rock one we've ever had yeah um yeah so it's that and then it's like four bars and four repeating and then it was immediately i heard this groove in seven and i'm always so pumped when i hear stuff in seven it's my favorite I'm like yeah, it's natural. I'm sorry for swearing. Um, I feel like a forced seven is the worst thing in the world, but mm -hmm. like hearing a groove naturally in seven is like amazing. Yeah, it's God tier. Exactly. I'm just like, oh, like I'm so talented. So <laughs> do you do you think? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. I I know you. I know I know you to be a very humble person. So I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I hope yeah. everybody listening knows that, that that was a classic. They're like, who is she? Yeah. No, no, I'm totally joke. joking. Totally joking. Yeah. Awesome. So I actually I, I forgot what I was about to ask you, but uh, oh yeah. So when you're writing, do you? I mean, do you think about groove first? Do you think about line first? I mean, I, I know you just said you, you you typically now when you're writing, maybe it used to be that you would start with a chord progression, but now mm -hmm. you feel that when you're when you first write the chord progression, it can be more difficult to pull out the the melody yeah. from that. It's it's easier for you or more effective for you rather to start out with the with the melody and then pull the harmony from the melody. 
but I, I, I found it really interesting because what you just said is that like this is more rock than any of your songs. And one of my favorite things about your band in general is that like the approach is, it's not, it's not not jazz. And I, I, I mean, it, things don't even have to have a, a name to them, a genre to them to, to like get mm -hmm. a, across what it is. Um, you know, this is, it's like, I feel like your band has such a specific style that I found it interesting that you said like, okay, I, this, I, I just heard this groove and I was like, yes, this is awesome. So I guess that's my long winded way of asking you the question of like, how do you approach like grooves in, in your writing? Do you, do you sometimes write a groove first or do you typically always write the melody first or? Yeah, I think the melody usually comes, wow. It depends. It's really like I'm hearing a hook. Right. Um, and it's just trying to decide who to give it to. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, I feel like I don't give it to myself. It's usually going to the band. And then like hearing, sometimes I even get turned off by like a super catchy melody. I'm like, oh, there's the cheese. And then I have to like find a way to make it cool um, or at least try to make it cool. And so it's really hard to say. I feel like now a lot of my stuff has become far more groove based. And I don't know if it's if it's me writing for the people that I'm playing with, like I have them in mind and I know what they what their strengths are. And like, I think that's probably a big part of it. Um, but also just like finding a good hook, definitely that and then deciding where it goes. And then usually like if things don't start out super groovy, like I at least want one section that definitely is whether it's like, building up to that you know it's like there's probably always going to be like a part where it's like rocking kind of now um god yeah this isn't really a good answer or no it's great <laughs> what you just said is, is so amazing it's it, it you just said that like it's what the song wants yeah totally like it definitely always finds like its way and I'm sure every other large ensemble composer feels the same way it's just like it's gonna land where it wants to and sometimes I'll write like a whole section and I'll come back to it the next day and be like this is all wrong. <laughs> like these, these plays, Let's do these a parts mass don't... delete. Yeah, which is always disappointing because it's like, especially if I felt like it was good before. I actually did that last night. I had like written this whole thing and it's like I'm having this problem where I have like a really catchy melody. And so it's kind of like, like I'm trying to make it, you know, not so like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like it's too pop or something. I got like it. I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so let, maybe let's talk about that a little bit more, which mm -hmm. I, I think kind of like opens up the door to talk about like editing. Right. So there's like yeah. there's the creative process where like the ideas come to you, whether, you know, it's a song for you like me and where it just came to you in a night or whether it's another song where you're you're just like chipping away, just like trying to get the ideas yeah, to like just... fully form. There's obviously there's different different processes, but it seems like one thing that's common or, or, or similar in all of the, those different uh, writing processes is that there's some editing involved, like whether it's too poppy or maybe, or, you know, using your words, poppy, um, but or, or too catchy, I think is the hilarious mm. way that you just put it. Because um, I don't think there's any yeah. such thing as too catchy when you're writing a song. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe that, I shouldn't have used that word. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah, no, no, no I, I agree. It's like, I think I think of it as being too catchy, like in relation to everything else that's going on. It's like, I have to not make everything else be catchy also, because then ah. it's just like, ugh, it's like okay. kind of gross. That's interesting. Sweet. Yeah. So when know. you have like a melody that's quote unquote, like too poppy, um, mm. what do you do to, to, to edit it, to change it, to make it less poppy? I guess I try to tone the band down because I think. What do you mean by uh, that? 
like I'll just try, you know, simplify, I guess. Idea. Like, like if, if I have a really, you know, I think if you have a really catchy, poppy idea, like that sticks out so much. And if you have other things that are sticking out or like really bright and shiny along with this bright and shiny top line, you know, it kind of, it loses its appeal. It's like sickly sweet. You know, you kind of need something to to balance it out yeah, to neutralize it in a way. Yeah, just just tone it down. You know, like I, it's like you want this thing to shine. That's great. And it's like everything else needs to complement that um, in some kind of way. So sometimes it's really easy to like write stuff around it that's like just sticking with it. And then I feel like I need to, like I'll go back and I'll be like, okay, it's like I need to pull this down. It's like maybe everyone just needs to play pads here, <laughs> just so like we're hearing this and like you know everyone isn't just like playing you know, freaking offbeats or whatever it is to like accent this already ridiculous melody we have going on. Right. Whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, to summarize, what you do is you allow that shiny melody to remain very present and then you actually pull back the rest of the ensemble mm -hmm. um, in order to let that idea shine through, the main idea shine through a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And it's really like, and I say this and then I think about other times where it's like something is really catchy and like everyone's playing it all at once. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's just, it's your taste. It's whatever you decide is appropriate for your band. Right, so, like the choir moment where everyone's like singing together, like this is it. Yeah. This is it. This the show chorus, whatever. This, yeah. this, that, yeah. For right. sure, for sure. So what are some of your, so you just brought up shout chorus and like a lot of people when they hear that word are gonna think of like the Count Basie orchestra, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like whatever the collaborations with Frank Sinatra for instance, or, or just, um, I don't know, Blues and Haas flat, you know, just something with like an extremely right. catchy, memorable um, shout chorus. So what are your early big band influences or what are your early musical influences that kind of led you on the New York chill path? Led you, led you down, led you down the chill, the chill right. road, chill street. Led me down the, the path of no return. Um, <laughs> yeah. So oddly enough, well, when I was in college, there was I don't know if you know Frankie Rousseau. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, when I like my first year there, I was like taking a music engineering class, whatever. It was kind of bullshit, and I was like engineering his senior recital. I was just sitting drinking coffee, like watching his senior recital, and I just thought it was so cool. You know, I hadn't, at that point I was 19, it was like 10 years ago, I hadn't really heard a lot of modern big band. I wasn't really super interested in big band. You know, to me it was like singing Fever with my high school jazz ensemble. You know what I mean? Just like, I don't have a lot of amazing memories. Um, and I was just so surprised that he had like written all of this really cool stuff for a large ensemble. And I hadn't really heard anyone do that before. And it just stuck out to me. I think it's like, it just made such a lasting impression on me. And like, I tell everyone this, like I'm like his fangirl. Um, no, but he's, and he's also just like great and really forthcoming with information. And that was really inspiring. Um, and after that, I started checking out other stuff. Like I got into the Brian Blade Fellowship, which I realize is not big band, but he had like a couple larger groups, which I thought was really hip at the time. And then what else? Oh, and, and the one thing that like really was like the tipping point was this dude this German dude, um, Peter Fox, he's wow. in this band. Awesome. He's in this band called Seed, which is like really famous in Germany. Um, and he did this thing with like a youth orchestra where he like arranged all of his songs for a youth orchestra and it's like hip hop. And I, it's just 
really different. And I was, it's all in German. I have no idea what he's saying. Um, and except for one song. Um, and is it Aubergine? Just kidding. No, it's, it's a, it's a song about shaking your ass, but it's called Schutze deine Speck, which is like shake your bacon. I probably said that so wrong. Some German is going to hate that anyway. So <laughs> whatever. So like, that was so cool to me. I was also like 1920 at the time. And I remember listening to that album, like on repeat, I don't even think it's on iTunes. Cause he like got so famous after he released it mm -hmm. that he kind of just like became reclusive and like never did it again, Whoa. which is insane to me. Um, yeah, so those were like the three big ones. I think it's so cool that you just listed one of your contemporaries as one of your your first your major musical influences. I, I that that speaks volumes, I think, to me at least about your um your fresh take on on music in general, your fresh take of your band and also just your humility and, and your and your Thanks. ability to to just raise up um you know, those around you. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. no, no, but I really mean it. And yeah, the Brian Blade Fellowship is is so awesome. I, I definitely think that that falls under the large ensemble umbrella. Yeah, yeah, it's big, so it counts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one thing that you said at the beginning of of this is that you had a six week tour that got canceled. So first of all, really sorry. Um, obviously this quarantine is kind of wrecking a lot of professional plans, um, mm -hmm. which is really disappointing, but as you said, it's going to be rescheduled. Um, but one thing that, that I think you do very differently from, from a lot of other large ensemble artists is that you do spend like maybe 60% of your year or more than that even on tour. Maybe. I don't know about that much. I guess it's, I always at least do one really long stretch mm -hmm. like usually about six weeks last year i did that as well um and then i and then the fall is usually pretty busy fall spring are always like really busy for me and then the summer is like i kind of like i think the summer wipes everybody out like it, you know it takes a lot of people away so i usually will get like three nice shows in just because my i lose my musicians <laughs> right <laughs> kind of. that's what you mean yeah everybody's yeah, yeah. literally gone yeah. everyone's just gone so that makes it a little bit harder yeah um yeah and it's also just like dead with my job too so it's like just the worst but um yes i don't know you didn't i guess there was no question it's just me rambling not yet anyway but that's yeah, okay we, we, we love the rambling um, <laughs> um so yeah i mean maybe maybe this is a good segue to kind of talk about some music business type stuff um mm -hmm. you know I think a lot of young musicians, even older musicians for that matter, but young musicians, especially composers who are first starting to get into writing, first starting to get into like really playing their instruments in a serious way, start to think about, okay, you know, this is a real thing. Like this might be my job. Um, if this is gonna be my job, like how am I gonna make this work? Um, so I think that, that that's something that, that you could have a really, unique perspective on being that being being that you're just on tour more than 90% of other large ensemble leaders, big band leaders, whatever you yeah. want, New York chill leaders. Whoever they are, yes. Um, yeah, so so for, for I guess this is this is uh, such a we, we can talk about so many things here. But you know, there's there's obviously the musical elements of, you know, advice for younger composers and young musicians. Um, and then there's the second part of it, which is um, just purely business related. You know, how, how do you tackle uh, the, the, the touring landscape? 
Yes. Okay. So to start, hmm, I guess I'll just dive right into touring. Um, I think, you know, I always, okay, how do I want to start this? Um, I've always been good at like making connections, I guess that sounds so cheesy and gross. Um, but I always like go out of my way to meet people or like to meet, I guess, other big bands that are doing things that I think are kind of similar to what I'm doing. And <clears throat> pretty early on, I was able to establish some good connections with um, Jazz Rush Big Band in Germany, the techno big band. They're like insanely successful now. Um, and a few other large ensembles as well. And I think that's like, it's kind of like such a nice community when it's like a big band doing like weird stuff. You know, it's like you find them and it's really exciting. And then, you know, they usually like everybody always wants to collaborate because it's like, let's just do more weird stuff together. Um, quotes to live by. And um, yeah, so I started going out to Germany a lot and spending time with them. And then, you know, it was sort of like I was in Europe and I was in the States and I wasn't doing too much else. And, you know, I was like, man, I just kind of didn't really know what to do with myself. And somebody was like, well, you know, if you want to be on the road all, all the time, like you can just do it. Like you have to just, you have to just go out of your way and make it happen. I remember being like so flummoxed by that. I was like, how am I supposed to do that with a big band? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then really, I, I think I spent like kind of a year grappling with that, trying to figure out how to make it work for myself. And then I just started writing emails like all the time. Like I just would spam like a hundred different people a day and it definitely paid off. I also would just post Facebook statuses. Like, I really want to go to Australia. Like, who do I know in Australia? And I wound up playing Perth Jazz Festival that year just because like I got connected with the right people. And like, now I have a really nice connection. I was supposed to be in Perth now teaching and performing actually, which is too bad. But um, yeah, so it's just, I mean, you kind of never know like what people you're going to meet and stuff, but you have to just go out of your way and do it. Even if it feels uncomfortable, you have to at least try and make an effort if people aren't interested the worst thing that's going to happen is that they just don't respond you know and that's that's it and like even now like i mean i also i'll get into it more but i work full-time as a booking agent um so so there is that and that does help but i can also like do my job on the road which is why i'm able to tour so much um oh i had a good point but now it's like i just I try to challenge myself even more. I'm like, let me pick a really obscure place and see if I can go there. And like a couple months ago, I just like called the Performing Arts Center in Greenland and like met this really lovely woman. And like, now we chat all the time and like, hopefully I'll be in Greenland next year just to like play some shows and like hang out with kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, just because I like went out of my way and I just stayed on the phone until someone would connect me with like their programming manager. You know, I was like, just, I literally just called like their main, like, you know secretary yeah whatever line and i was like i was like i'm an agent from new york like please connect me to your to your person that does booking and and it wound up being you know an interesting conversation so sorry that took like a lot of turns no that is um, awesome i mean if i could just just um see if i i mean your your advice is just pick up the phone just pick up the phone yeah i mean i that's like the best thing you can do for yourself like call 10 people before noon just see what happens. You might get like a gig out of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So you are you are literally living proof that the touring lifestyle mm -hmm. works. Totally. You can make it work. You just have to get good at negotiating and like lying a little bit. <laughs> um, no, yeah, and I mean eventually. Like, <laughs> no, I mean like you know in the beginning when you don't have a lot of stuff to kind of back you up. Like if you haven't done a ton of touring 
you know, the best thing you can do is, and even then, like, I don't really know how I got it off the ground. I didn't have a ton of like great social media stuff or a good website or anything like that. But, you know, I wound up having, it's like you play one good festival. It's like you finally get lucky. And then it's like, you know, you have as much footage as you possibly can from that. And you kind of just have to like milk every single thing that you have. I mean, you know this, everybody knows this. Um, and then, you know, just to like help yourself get your foot in the door. It's like you just talk up every single thing that you do. And eventually you accumulate, you know, like a solid uh, resume of things that you've accomplished. And then you don't, then you're not lying anymore. You're just talking about the things that you've done. Right. So when mm -hmm. you when you say lying, you don't necessarily mean lying. You, no. what, you're, what you're really saying is just like, you use what you have like in the smartest yeah. way possible. Yes, just stretch everything, everything. <laughs> as much as you possibly can. Right. I mean, you really got to get good at and comfortable with putting yourself out there and just taking yourself mm -hmm. out of your comfort zone and just like risking rejection for that matter. But as you said, like oh, the worst totally, thing that yeah. can happen is that people just don't respond or they say, no, sorry, we're not interested for this season. Right, which is like the nicest thing. Like the fact that anybody would take the time to just say like, oh no, sorry, we're already booked is like crazy. When I get those emails, I'm like, I can't believe you even spent the two seconds <laughs> it took to respond to me. Right, you know? yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. All right, and what about some musical advice for, for maybe younger composers who are just starting out and maybe are wanting to find their own voice? Ooh, um, I would just say try everything. You know, I, I try, I literally tried everything. That's how I feel at this point. Like I've written for almost every medium um, and a lot of it was terrible and some of it was good. So here I am and you know, it's like, you. You learn so much from just like trying new things. And I, f I feel like people really kind of get, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, it's really easy to underestimate yourself and feel uncomfortable with what you're doing, especially in college, you know, it's like sticking out like a sore thumb is not really anybody's prerogative. And I think I was always trying to like bring in new stuff. I was in like vocal performance and I like would just, I just wrote for choir. like. I didn't know what the f I was doing, but like, you know, I wrote a choir piece and brought it in. I remember like my teacher was not really into it, but you know, fortunately my peers were. So that was, we got to like perform it at the recital, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I just wanted to write music, even though I had no idea what I was doing. I would just write anything that I could. And like, I would put sessions together and like have people read my charts. And like, that was so uncomfortable for me because I was so worried about being judged, obviously. Um, but you know, then you figure stuff out. Like you, you eventually meet people who are nice and like willing to like work with you to help you understand your own ideas and, um, explain your own ideas. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So it's not like I was just like, I have a big band and everything's great. And like, our gigs are amazing. It's like, I remember my first gig, I couldn't even look at the band. Like I was just so, like, I couldn't even turn around. I was so horrified and like, I just, I don't know why, you know, cause I just probably wasn't totally ready. But then you get ready because you keep doing it. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's really inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really mean it. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, let's let's close this out with um, just speaking a little bit about the excerpt uh, that you sent me, which is called Mean, which is going to be released as a single and hopefully uh, on another album. Uh, very yes. soon. Slowly chipping away at that album, yes. Right, for sure. It's a slow mm. process. I mean, that's another conversation entirely. We'll have to do that on oh, season yeah. two of composers <laughs> who are hopefully not quarantined anymore. <laughs> 
Um, oh, I know. Do this in person. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, do anything in person. Um, Literally, I just want to touch someone else so <laughs> Just like breathe the same air with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we don't communicate with that other part. humans. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's take a look at this because, you know, you, it, okay. it's, it's, it's such an interesting piece, you know, it starts in four and then it immediately goes into a groove in seven and it's got your classic vocals, uh, your, your combination of vocals and string quartet, uh, and of course your electric guitar and bass and you're on synthesizer as well out in front of the band. Um, so yeah, what, uh, what do you want to talk about, about this chart? Oh my goodness. I don't know. Well, I think the clip I sent you starts, I'm sorry, I sent you the whole score, um, <laughs> okay. from, from letter Q, okay. I think. So let's Q and then it's Q. like, go, yeah. And then it goes to the first bar of S. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I remember it was like, it was late at night. We had that, we had a show at LPR like two days later. And I was like, I can't, you know, it's like we hadn't played a show in the city, even though I had toured a bunch, like we hadn't played a show in the city since August. So I was like, I can't put myself in front of, you know, the people of New York with no new music. Um, and yeah, I was like, all right, the first idea that comes to mind, do that. And so that was that. And then immediately I heard that seventh thing. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's like in E, there are some, it's like EFG, like an E minor, you know, it's like, it's really not fancy. Um, and it's mostly just a lot of like, it's that main line, just like really stacked, really loud. And then it's like the, I feel bad, the rhythm section parts, you know, it's like, I knew I wanted it to be like really rock as soon as I heard it. So I kind of like didn't write too much for them, uh, aside from like, the, you know, the obvious bass and drum groove, but like guitar and piano was kind of like, just go for it. And, um, and they really did, especially like guitars, but there's also like 10 guitars on this track right now. So, um, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Can never have yeah. too many, the more the merrier. I know, yeah, yeah. No, 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 my Amit's always like my boyfriend for everyone to know. Um, yeah, he's always like, there's only like seven guitars on this track. It's not even that much. <laughs> like he's always just willing to stack more, but there are like also like a hundred vocal tracks on this. Right well, now. hey, that's okay. how you know you found the right one, right? Exactly, just like keep it going. So looking at this excerpt here, I, I noticed that you're kind of like staying true to your word about like, you have this really catchy melody um, that's sitting in the vocal part being uh, doubled or, you know, in, in, the, in the guitar part or one yeah, yeah. or several of the 10 guitar parts um, right. that you've recorded. And then you have your brass um, playing along with the brass and strings playing along with the melody while the saxophones, the reeds are playing pads behind. So this is kind mm -hmm. of a perfect um, exa example of exactly what you were talking about, which is that when you have like that catchy melodic hook, that shiny part, you want to do everything that you can to highlight it. But then again, this isn't my chart. So I'm wondering if you can talk us through a little bit about your process for writing um, this kind of shout chorus, shout chorusy um, hmm. section. Let's see. Well, um, I mean, the big thing in four, like sometimes I feel like this has been happening recently where I feel like I've written the end of the song in the beginning. Mm. I don't know if I'm, I'm sure, sure you have felt, felt that way, way sometimes. Oh like, yeah, for know, sure. But it's it's so hard to know feeling. when you when you just sit down, yeah. like, you know, if you have an idea, like how it's gonna unfold. And it's interesting to, you know, like flip the pages forward as you go, but also to like kind of turn them backwards. 
Right. Right. See what totally. unfolds like underneath. Like what can you uncover from from this thing that you've just found or created, however you want to look at it. Yeah, and then but then sometimes it's just like bam, like the big idea comes at the beginning and it's like you already know that's how you want it to end as well, which is so weird. Or you're like, should I put this out there right up front or should I wait for it? Um, whereas before I feel like my music was always like, you know, starting with these small ideas and then would morph to something else entirely. And then the ending was also something completely different. And now it's like, I've been having kind of these like punchier ideas, I guess. Sorry for all my hand gestures. Um, hand gestures are great. They show that you know how to communicate and, and connect with people. Right. Yes. This is like fun. Just communicating with my baby band. And you're a conductor. So, hey. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so these bigger ideas and then finding ways to like, you know, still get out of that because I feel like that's really hard too when you have like a big idea and then you're like, oh, I have to step away from it because I need to like have more song and then still come back to this big idea and make it make sense. Um, so that's definitely what happened here. So it was like, but it was so, I felt just undeniable. It was like, here's the idea, bam, right up front, you know, and then I wound up here fortunately hearing other things that came later on. But um, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing a good job answering this question. <laughs> no, it's it's cool. So so you came up with the, the section at letter Q is the first part that you wrote. It's the beginning of the song too, yeah. So that's the first thing I wrote. It was like that directly into the seven and then still more of that hook going back to four again. And then it like has this kind of like, I don't know, like this bigger, like even like another shout chorus in the middle of the whole song is just like, big like shouty chunks minus this like one kind of which is the section that's like coming out of Q. it's like this kind of like build up section back to the main idea again awesome very cool well sarah thank you. thank you so much for for joining us today on composers in quarantine drinking cocktails cool well yeah um this was super interesting and just an awesome conversation so Thank you. thanks so much and hopefully uh we can like we said do this again in person sometime sometime very soon yes please thank you for having me i really appreciate it of i know course. i'm not the jazziest of composers so hey that's 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 totally totally cool it's thanks. awesome to have you i feel good to be included yes <laughs> <laughs> cool all right sarah well thank you so much